Yo, I'm Evan Mack with the Mac Mania Podcast with my two fellas. I'm Brooklyn Zone, Flubba Voice. And I'm the Hall of Farmer, Jack Farmer. Follow and listen on Spotify and catch us on the Spotify Green Room after major wrestling events. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring is such a refreshing time of year. Flowers are blooming and you're getting your house in order. But now is also a good time to take a second look at your wireless plan because you might be overpaying. Right now, Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash bigpick. That's mintmobile.com slash bigpick. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Okay, Sean, top three movie snacks of all time, go. Um, all right, let me think. Uh, popcorn? Obviously. Hmm. Ice cream? That's two. Oh, and uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, of course. Peanut butter and chocolate is a pretty perfect combination. Some may even say the ultimate movie snack. You can't argue with that. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And this is The Big Picture, a conversation show about the year 2018. We're drafting again. It's the movie draft, 2018 edition, CR is here. Hello, Christopher. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Chris, how are you? You okay? You hanging in there? Yeah, man. I'm doing okay. How are you guys? Uh, living the dream, brother. Just living the dream every day. Amanda, how are you? I'm fine. Amanda, this is a pre-recorded podcast, yeah. so who the hell knows where you are at this point? I don't know where I am right now. I'll tell you where I am right now in space to future me. I'm just so uncomfortable. I just can't believe that like this is going on for this long. My back hurts so much. So everything that is going to happen in this draft, keep in mind that I'm really cranky because my back hurts. You've just given me the incredible opportunity to share my first ever dad joke because yeah. when I was a kid and I would <laughs> say to my dad, my da- dad, my back hurts. He'd say, well, your front is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> That's Anyhow. pretty good. Also, you having back pain as a child is an incredibly you <laughs> yeah. experience. You, and I'm you sorry. being like an umpire for Little League games. And yeah. be like, ah. I'm like not trying to be mean, but lol. Uh, yes, I've had back pain for several decades now. I don't feel good about it. Let's Remember about- when you... Uh, when you realized that you had debilitating back pain because you'd been sitting on your money clip in your back pocket for like nine months. <laughs> that, was, that was a really, really bad beat. Do you, should I tell the story of my the originating story of my back pain? You yeah. were there. You were there. Of course I was there. Yeah. Um, it wasn't quite 2018. I want to say it was 2016 when this took place. Mm-hmm. So we're going a little bit further back than our draft year. But uh, we were staying at the Madonna Inn. We were on a, a trip to Big Sur. We were headed in between back. Los Angeles and Big Sur. It's pretty much right. right in between which is a very kitschy hotel. And what a kooky spot. Yeah. It is, it is. Each room is themed. You may have seen it in some of your favorite television shows and films over the years. And uh, for whatever godforsaken reason, after a long night of drinking and dining with you and your lovely wife, Phoebe, and my wife, Eileen, uh, I woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning and nobody else was awake. I'm not usually an early riser. I was like, you know what? This is great. 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to head out to the, uh, the gym at the, at the Madonna Inn, which I'm sure is a top flight gym. And uh, I'm going to get a run in. I'm going to get a run in. Get on the treadmill about 6'10. You know, getting a good pace going. 
I'm moving along. Walk, jog, start the run. As soon as I start the run, <laughs> lightning bolt down my back. It, it was as though <laughs> Thor struck me with Mjolnir and I fell and I fell off of the treadmill. Like you face planted and rolled down the treadmill. It was sort of a side fall. Okay. But I was just like, I can't be on this machine anymore because I may die. And I, I rolled over onto a mat and I laid on my back stricken for about 45 minutes waiting for someone to discover me because I could not move. You? I eventually dragged my carcass back to the room. And then Chris can attest because he saw me shortly thereafter because he drove us home. Yeah. And the way that I had to gingerly be put into and removed from the car from my Camry. It was like, I was like Harvey Keitel in Reservoir Dogs (laughs) and Sean was Tim Roth and all the way back to Los Angeles. I was like, you're going to be okay. (laughs) You're going to be okay. Say it with me. Say it with me. (laughs) Also, the image of you allowing Chris to drive. And then he lets you me drive. He used to let me drive. I can't drive oh, yeah. his car. He won't ever let me. Drive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would always be like, oh, you want me to drive? And you'd just be like, I'll fucking chop your hands off. You even look at my Audi once. So uh, Chris did okay. ably drive me home, which I appreciated. And, and much like Tim Roth, I bled out that day. That My back died that day and okay. uh, it has never recovered. And I've been, I've, been pa- I've been in a lot of pain ever since. But nevertheless, Can I'm I hoping- just ask, was this the same weekend as the edible Spanglish experience? Or no, that was weekend? Paso Robles. Oh, okay. That's, an- that's a whole other podcast. You can understand my confusion. Yeah. yeah, that's just a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> that's where me and my wife reenacted the end of Annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> just a beautiful little glimpse into what goes on between the podcasts here on this episode. Uh, Amanda, who were you in 2018? Tell me about yourself. Uh, I was just a, you know, professional woman of trying to see the wife. That's all I was doing was trying to see the wife. And I spent most of this year. Can you believe that this was the year of the wife that that feels so far ago, but also so recent? I, you know, we were podcasting. We saw a lot of movies. That was pretty much it. Yeah, I was reluctant to do this year because it is so recent. And then I thought it's actually four years ago. Uh, which is wow. chilling, frankly, yeah. that this is four years ago and our lives are soldiering on. Ciara, I was spending a lot of time with you at this time, but who who were you? Who, how did you conceive of yourself in 2018? Yeah, I mean, like, if you uh, ever walked up and down Hollywood Boulevard uh, around this time, I was the guy dressed as Deadpool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> giving people directions. Um, no, I was working with you. I, was, I mean, we were doing all of the same stuff we were doing. I don't know if I had as big a role not that I have a big role, but I don't know if I was on the big picture as frequently as I was I am now and back in 2018, was I? Um, no, Inter- not as much. Not as much. You were but, um you, you were in our hearts though. For sure. And the thing is, is that like I do remember uh, you know, the going the act of going to the movies obviously is a big part, but the movies that happened this year, the movies that we really cared about this year wound up being like these really cool big events, you know? Like I just really do uh, like remember the screening that I was at or the theater that I was at or the showing that I was at for a lot of these movies. And then there's a few here, which I'm sure we'll talk about, which have like really risen in my estimation, hmm. uh, especially getting ready for this pod where I was like, damn, we did not know how good we had it. Yeah. Amanda, what do you, when you look at the year in movies of 2018, what do you, what jumps out at you? The depth of the, the chart, I guess. Is that the correct way to describe a chart? Uh, yes. A football chart, sports. Chart. I don't know. I've been watching a lot of sports. Um, I like Chris have like a very long list of movies, both that I enjoyed at the time and I remember having, you know, 
the screening, the room, the experience, but also movies that I've since like discovered or reconsidered and um, that we maybe didn't even talk about as much in 2018. And we're like, oh, or wow. we were like let down by. Yeah. Um, it was it was a good year. And I think also sort of the the eventual Oscars conversation around this year perhaps dampened our enthusiasm for what was otherwise a, a great time at the movies. Yeah, this was a very uh, noisy awards season for us, Amanda. And so mm-hmm. I had the same exact reaction, which is that I was thinking actually too much about January and February of 2019, as opposed to this bounty of really cool stuff and a nice balance, I think, of that mainstream comic booky franchise stuff with, you know, original independent films and sometimes in some cases a fusion of those two things, you know, like the blending of high caliber auteurs working in, you know, low class popular art spaces. And sometimes we bemoan that about what's happened to the industry, but, you know, Compared to 2021, I'm feeling pretty damn good about 2018 right now. Yeah, there are also, I realized, a few movies on this list that were critically acclaimed or we talked a lot about, and I have just like pretty violent negative feelings about, which is sort of fun. I don't really, I mean, you know, screw Red Notice and Free Guy and whatever and all of that stuff, but when we could actually argue about movies with some sort of substance or merit and that people really loved or kind of that got a rise out of people like me that was that was fun I miss that I don't really get to get angry as much the funniest thing going back through this list and and actually just remembering this year is uh there's this brief window this brief moment of uh kind of like wild experimentation that was happening with Mm. uh how movies were being released or distributed which I thought would be kind of fun to talk about because and this is when Amanda comes in and sings the AT&T is a telephone company song. <laughs> but this was this like brief pre everybody's got a streaming service moment mm-hmm. yeah. where it was like, what if we put a movie up after the Super Bowl? <laughs> what if this oh, movie yeah. was choose your own adventure? What if you made your movie on an iPhone? It was like the kind of kind of an exciting little quick moment before it was like, the thing that's important is my fucking shareholders. Yeah, you're totally right. This was well before... Clifford the Big Red Dog will be appearing on Paramount Plus on yeah. August 10th and you will like it, you clown, and please subscribe. <laughs> uh, it felt novel. Something felt different. And ev- we, we assumed that we would see b- movies big and small in theaters. And if we didn't, it was a treat. And now it's sort of the opposite. It feels like we have fewer and fewer movies to go check out in theaters. And I mean, you can just look, tell by looking at the box office from this year. You know, this is an Avengers year. It was, of course, the year of Black Panther. It was Incredibles and Aquaman, Deadpool 2, The Grinch, Mission Impossible Fallout, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Bohemian Rhapsody. Not necessarily great movies, but movies that there were no mistaking that they were going to be appearing in movie theaters. And, you know, consequently, there were also a lot of movies. I'll, I'll just name one as a point of conversation that did pretty good business that for sure would be a streaming movie right now. That movie's Widows, mm-hmm. which was one of the best movies of that year. Had an incredible killer cast, but was also basically a fun genre movie. And I think did like $75 million in business. And that seems impossible right now. Right. Was so, like 35 movies made more than 100 million bucks this year? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But even at the time, we were mad about the reception to Widows because we felt like it was certainly overlooked by all of the awards bodies. And it didn't seem like it had the heat of... I mean, as Chris said, 
a, a lot of movies made $200 million at the box office. So 75, like, God, were we ever so young, I guess, that we were mad about 75 million. Yeah, feels crazy. This is also the year that um, A Star is Born and Venom were released on the same day, one of the greatest days of my life. Um, <laughs> so I just want to honor that day. I believe it was October 5th, 2018. That's like this day in like 1996 when like, Wilco and Ghostface put out a record on the same <laughs> night and I bought them both at Tower Records and I was like, Jeff Tweedy and, and Tony Starks are the two sides of my soul. Well, this is how we memorialize our life. You know, we use popular culture to tell ourselves a story. Um, what else? What else jumps out to you about the year? Anything you guys want to cite before we start digging into the, the drafting? Uh, I really uh, just wanted to mention just because God knows if we'll ever go back to this, but you and I, and I, I can't remember, Amanda, was, was this your year or were you the next year where we went to South by Southwest and it was like a really, really, really good. This was good... your year because you guys saw the first 20 minutes of A Quiet Place. That's right. I think. And then That's I right. went 2019. But yeah, I remember you coming back and being like, oh. <laughs> but in it a was, nice way. It was very fun. Um, I remember a couple of very memorable screenings. I remember seeing Roma at the New York Film Festival this year. Yeah. And being like, oh, wow. Cinema. <laughs> this is just, great stuff. I imagine you coming out like throwing your scarf over your, your shoulder. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I completed my memoir that night. I said, <laughs> I need to get my story out in the world after Quaron got to tell his. Uh, I guess uh, we, let's talk about the Oscars quickly. We always talk about the Oscars before we yeah. start drafting. This is a green book year. And, uh, and that sucked because like every other movie that was nominated for Best Picture was at worst interesting. And green book, you know, I recall very vividly at the time seeing it for the first time and liking it and feeling like it was a, a kind of like a fun lighthearted coming of age movie maybe not putting the critical lens on it that I really needed to and certainly not knowing anything about the real life story and then of course the movie really went into the take cycle and it really got kind of run through in a, really, a lot of really aggressive ways upon closer examination the movie didn't work as well for me but also it just kind of there's an ickiness surrounding that movie now but also, I, I'm trying to figure out if it's like a last gasp of a certain kind of prestigious Hollywood movie. Like, could mm -hmm. a movie like this ever compete again in this way? I guess we're going to find out in, during this Oscar season because there are a couple on the board that are a little bit, um, I guess, more controversial, for lack of a better word. But I don't know, Amanda, but like looking back on that, having been through the whole award season cycle, yeah. what, what do you remember? I remember more just the length of the award season cycle because I had a similar reaction. Like we went, we saw it. And I think I was like, this is, you know, like sort of a charming rom-com between friends. And we also did say, this seems like the kind of thing that Academy of voters will like. And I don't think that we were like really prepared for, uh, for anything that happened. And certainly the, like the real life story and everything that was revealed after we saw it, but also just like how much Academy voters would like it and how uh, intense that particular take cycle would come become and it's the Oscars are always fraud and we're always kind of yelling at each other but it really seems like this is when the the cycle got like turned to high you know and and I, and I don't know we've gotten if we've gotten back from that do you guys look back on this year with some distance and feel like the films that were still good this year your Romas your Black Klansmen's your whatever's got their proper due in the sort of long tail of history against the the Bohemian Rhapsodies and the um, Green Books that wound up did taking down some awards? It's a good question. I think we're maybe just not yet far away enough 
to know, and I, you know, Chris, you hit me up about a movie earlier today that came out this year that I think is going to be significantly critically reappraised over time. There's a handful of those. And then as I look through some of the nominees here, you know, let's look at Best Actor, for example. Rami Malek's incredibly talented. That performance as Freddie Mercury was really not one of my favorite. And I think it was considered kind of a joke that he won that. And, you know, it's also a year that Christian Bale was nominated for Vice. Bradley Cooper, of course, for A Star is Born. You know, Willem Dafoe was nominated for At Eternity's Gate. Did more than like 150 people see At Eternity's Gate? I, I still don't really know how that happened. That's one of those movies that like, it's like it doesn't exist. Like mm. it, has no, it has no reputation, really, except for the handful of people who supported Defoe's work and so it's a it's a funny thing where it's a little bit hard to tell like maybe 10 years from now someone will say at eternity's gate is one of the greatest portraits of an artist in the history of film but i don't i don't really know if enough people have seen it yet for something like that to take place is that him playing van gogh yeah that is correct yeah i can't say that i've seen that film nor have i i've seen it, it was on the like it was on the list of things that i definitely meant to get to before oscar night and then it just it didn't happen the truth of the matter is the most talked about movie this year, which will will inevitably get drafted. But it's it's Infinity War. Like that movie wound up being, and this this whole Marvel thing only grew and grew and grew out of this. And I think that people probably go back, and while there are Marvel movies before Infinity War and Black Panther, that people are like, that was pretty good, or that had some stuff I really liked in it too. Or there were fans who were just like, I I'll I'll snort this. This was the <laughs> this was the year where people I think were like, this is like. This is going to just be the movies now. This is we need to reckon with the fact that all the movie stars are going to be in these movies. The directors are going to want to make these movies. This is the only thing that people are going to want to put in theaters. And it, at its best, it it can get pretty good. Yeah, I think. Furthermore, this isn't just going to be movies. It's going to be TV. I mean, I feel like all of these TV shows that you know you and Andy have been covering and the Ringerverse has been covering over the last twelve months are all kind of like responding to everything that started in Infinity War. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like all this like reflection on this story that they started or ended there, however you want to see it. I don't know. Is that a movie that's going to like stand the test of time? I wonder that. I think about that sometimes. Like 20 years from now, how will these huge blockbusters be looked at? I just made a reference to this on another podcast, but like in, in the 70s, The Towering Inferno was one of the biggest movies of all time. It was huge. The budget was huge. It even got some Oscar nominations because of the huge cast and the very credible people in it. You go back and watch that movie now and you're like, this is a pretty mediocre blockbuster with dated special effects and an okay story. Then some things are cool about it, but like it has no critical reputation. No one's like going back and checking it out and being like, actually, this is the true genius of this filmmaking. And it seems very plausible that a lot of these films are looked at that way. On the other hand, who knows? Maybe the generation behind us is going to cherish it forever and it will be their Star Wars. I really don't. I really, it's really hard for me to say. That's the one with the Scarlet Witch and the Vision backstory, right? Yeah, I think so. The Infinity in, War? It, Infinity ends with War? The, it ends with the blip. Right? Well, no, I mean, I remember that, Chris. Well, okay. But like, you know, there's two and a half hours before it. I was trying to engage with some, you know, continuous storytelling or whatever. Yeah, I think it's the, I think it's the one where we write out a little bit about Viz and then because he has Wanda. to take the stone out and then he dies right and it's That's right. sad it's great see are you a big viz guy so as a viz guy what was it like watching the stone removed from his head it was heartbreaking man it was really tough you know i mean everybody processes trauma differently <laughs> I, I think i'm still processing oh mine God. Yeah, i'm still processing falling off that treadmill honestly that was that's my trauma <laughs> um shall we draft sure so you know we've had a movie auction since this conversation but our last draft was the holiday movie draft. Who won that? I actually don't remember. Did I win? You've won the last two. I have. Okay. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, thank you to all the people 
who love and adore my drafting style. I'm grateful mm-hmm. to all of you. Um, I'm grateful to the way that you use your fingers on Twitter. Um, <laughs> shall we talk about the the categories? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. Six categories, six picks each. We do it snake style. This time around, we're drafting a drama, a comedy, an Oscar nominee, an action or horror movie, a blockbuster, and $100 million or more is the threshold there, and a wild card. So, pretty broad palette here. CR, are you feeling excited? You feeling like you're going to do some damage here? I think that this is a really, really strong field. I can't wait to find out what we all wind up with because there's, there's not a lot of duds in the draft pool. Amanda, um, Mary Poppins Returns is on the board still know, for you, thank you, which is yeah. huge. Should we bring Bobby in to help set our draft order? Yeah. Wags, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready to go. 2018 was the year that I met all of you guys. So you guys oh, started oh, working nice. at The Ringer. Wow. Yeah, for me. That's nice. What's, what's, tell us a little bit about it. What happened? What were you doing? Well, I spent the first half of the year in New York, and then I got hired at The Ringer, and then spent the second half of the year in Los Angeles. So it was a big adjustment period. Got to, got to hang a lot with Chris Ryan. And right. learn his learn his intricacies. Big handshake guy. I learned very quickly. <laughs> Can we also just dap on me the, up? How did Chris Ryan up in two years? just note that he's wearing his second piece of outerwear in this draft? He's My house is very strange. Outerwear, yeah. It's yeah. like it's because it's like I had this like hipster soccer sweatshirt on, but it's like honestly, it's like being inside of a fucking tauntaun. And then, so, right. but then when I took it off. It got a little cold in here. So, so I throw my you've always jacket. got a layer on hand, which yes. is, yeah, we've got a denim jacket now. I just <laughs> want to give people the visual experience. I want to make a short documentary about the last two years in Chris's life called The Dying of the Daps. Yes. And it's all about how you can no longer make physical contact with men younger than you and show them how cool you are. I, and I just like stand at my screen door seeing if anybody walking their dog wants <laughs> wants a pound and nobody does. <laughs> Incredible stuff. My okay. memories of 2018 are like a flip book of Chris opening the same door and giving the same dap to the same five people a <laughs> hundred times. Um, all right, let's do a draft. All right. Thank you the for the tiles, Bobby. Is that a Mets hat? No, wow. it's a... Wow, okay. It's a Top Gun hat. Amanda has the first choice in okay. this draft, 2018 movie draft. No, Chris, it's a Top Gun hat. Oh, cool. Come on. Gotta keep the spirit of the big picture alive, even they if have... Top Gun 2 may never say, be birthed. Yeah, before before you pull the next tile, the, the, the movement for Let Amanda See Top Gun Maverick has been very strong thus far. I yes. want to encourage all have of our listeners. Have you heard anything back from Paramount? <laughs> Believe it or not, Chris, no My one guy in this Bacchus house has heard from didn't Paramount. Holler back? No, radio silence. <laughs> but we will not be silenced. And the listeners I, of this show will not be silent. Have we you know brokered an is, alliance with the CR heads to like start hacking their material and like getting a... I don't know if we, we need to We stand at the anything. ready. We stand at the okay, ready. Thanks, and let me also beautiful. say this. I am doing so much fucking street team work for the Taylor Sheridan universe right now. <laughs> Paramount really owes true. us. That's true. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I just think it's a real winning opportunity for I everyone. I watched 1883. You got me? <laughs> <laughs> Choosing second overall is Chris Ryan. Good. I'm third. Um, okay. Amanda, you haven't had first in a while, right? No, I think I have. But oh, you did? But when I have first, sometimes it's great. And sometimes I'm just like drafting on my own, you know? And so mm. I like can't Robin like, totally... dancing on her own, but for yeah, drafting. Yeah, exactly. That's your remix. God, that's that was such an amazing time 10 years ago. More than 10 years ago at this point. We're incredibly old. But so I think that there are like a lot of shared... There's like a shared pool of movies that all three of us want in this draft. And then 
there are a lot of like Chris and Sean favorites. Mm. So you say that every time. Well, I know that's true because that's how Hollywood and also the world works. I'm sorry that you've you had everything catered cater to, to you your entire yeah. life. Yeah. But we thank you, Hollywood. But so when I'm setting off first, it's like, am I going to try to fight for one of your movies or am mm-hmm. I going to fight for one of my movies mm-hmm. or, you know, my strategy is a little different, but I think I know what I'm going to do here. That was a little bit of vamping, but I think, I don't know whether this is like the obvious pick or a really stupid pick, but I don't really care. In Oscar nominee, I'm going to take Black Panther. Okay. Um, which, forget Infinity War, which I barely remember what happened. I remember Black Panther. I remember being really invigorated by this movie and thinking, oh, like maybe I like Marvel movies after all because mm-hmm. they can contain ideas and and can be visually like really stunning. It didn't look like garbage like most movies do. And even if I have uh, some issues with the Michael B. Jordan performance, uh, you know, that's okay. Otherwise, it was just like an exhilarating time. And that's another one I remember being there. I saw it opening weekend at the Hollywood Arclight. People were very excited. Like kind of the platonic ideal of those Marvel movies as a place where people like go together and get really excited about something. But it wasn't entirely just beholden to its origins. It also stood alone for me. So and then it was nominated for Best Picture. So Black Panther. I mean, it's hard to argue with that pick. Great pick. Great, great movie, pick, great, great category pick. for it too. Thank you. You, you know, so Amanda, for, you said Oscar or you said yeah. blockbuster Oscar. for Oscar. Okay, uh, Amanda, we have not talked at all about the complex and controversial production of Black Panther Two, which is yeah. supposed to come out. this I mean, year I'm and... trying to stay away from the five G stuff. You know, just Oof. no, no, a, a hard pass for me. Seems tough. What do you think, Chris? How do you want to weigh in on all those controversies? <laughs> 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 no, sidestep that one. I feel no. you have some thoughts. Just text them to me and I'll read them on the next episode, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> next time you guys do like a caller episode. Sure, yeah. Where I can maybe call in from Atlanta and just be like, hey, brother, just uh, <laughs> wanted to uh, weigh in. Uh, no. Okay, Chris, you're up. You have number two. Uh, I'm going to pick the movie that I had the most fun watching in 2018, and that was Mission Impossible Fallout. Mm, Damn it. Good one. Um, it's just good fucking one. fight in some bathrooms. Uh, this is just an amazing Mission Impossible movie. What an incredible uh, shout out to the Cinerama Dome experience of just getting your your wig pushed back by Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill fighting. This was, um, you know, the, the, the Macquarie Mission Impossibles have kind of found like a new gear for these movies. But I thought even this by those standards was just like a cut above. And I think I saw it at least twice in the theaters. I may have seen it three times that year, or like once it finally came out on uh, on streaming or whatever. But God damn it. Mission Impossible Fall. Like We've talked about it endlessly, but this is just an yeah. awesome, awesome blockbuster. So I'll this go there. Ruled. Amanda, do you remember what, what, how we yeah, saw this? Yeah, this was our birthday movie. Chris yeah. saw it yeah. with us. Yeah. We saw yeah. it in the arc light. It was delightful. We got beers and everything. And then I, I had to go to the bathroom so badly, but I was like, <laughs> no, I can't miss a minute of these two people fighting on a cliff with a helicopter. And then we got sushi afterwards for dinner. It was awesome. The one thing I I will say about these movies, and especially Fallout, is if you read the synopsis, you're like, sir, excuse me. (laughs) 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 Where there's just like 18 different like side plots about plutonium and then going to like a refugee camp in Kandahar or whatever. And you forget when you're watching the movie because the like the stunts are so incredible and the set pieces are so incredible. But there's some like absolute nonsense in these movies, but I love it still. 
One of the more underrated aspects of this movie is Sean Harris's return as Solomon Lane. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, like terrorizing Ethan Hunt's dreams. Just wonderful movie. Uh, okay, so I have two picks. Hang and, on, Chris uh, didn't select a category for that one. Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Okay. I feel like I'm in a great spot. Okay. I just don't know what categories to put these things into. Because they can actually go in one or the other. I can flip-flop them. Well, that's that's fantastic, Sean. We admire your flexibility. I wonder how weird you're going to get this early, if you're going to get weird early. I'm not going to get weird early. There's two very obvious things. These are two of my favorite movies of the year, two of my favorite movies of the decade. I'm going to go Oscar nominee for A Star is Born. Damn. Which, of course, is the directorial debut of Bradley Cooper. Are we getting Coops' sophomore shot this year? Maestro, maestro, right? The maestro? Supposed to theoretically at the end of this year. Amanda, you're going to say something? You look like you're gearing up to say something. No, I want to hear your second pick. Why? Because what do you you think is going to happen here? Well, I'm just, I'm trying to decide how rude I want to be to you. Amanda, you could have taken A Star is Born with the first overall pick. I understand. You are the author of your own fate. But I just think you're already sort of uh, abandoning your principles and the what things his that principles? you love most. His principles are well, only just that he wants to win every time. Yeah. Me and DJ Khaled have the same philosophy. Right. But then I have to sit through months and months of you talking about how important movie X that you're not about to draft is to you. And I just, I think it's kind of lame. I think that if you're going to pick a spot, you should stand with the spot, but go ahead, pick your other movie. I think you've just overplayed your hand here as usual, Amanda. That's all I'm going to say. My second pick is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse under Blockbuster, which is of course one of the masterpieces of not just the decade, but the century. Um, We didn't have an animated category here, but didn't have to worry about that because this movie was a huge hit. And I'm curious to see if it tilted the axis long term in terms of what we're looking for in animated movies uh, come award season or come viewers because it raised the bar um, artistically, creatively, who the heroes of that story were. Love that movie. Getting a sequel to that movie later this year. Lots to live up to. Part. What? Do, how do you guys feel about the part one of a sequel where they're like, this is we know the, how you feel about it. Yeah. <laughs> how do I feel about it? You fucking hate part ones. I do hate part ones. Give me Dune. Other than The Hobbit. You liked the, you liked the Hobbit. That's not true. One. That's not true. Was there a Hobbit movie this year, Chris? No, man. Because we didn't spend Christmas holding hands in Glendale <laughs> watching a Hobbit movie like we used to. I miss those days so much. Okay, so I got two. So CR, you're up again. Damn it. So, boy, there's a lot of head and heart going on right now. Well, I'm just going to take um, Infinity War. Wowzers. Okay. And I'm going to put it, actually, is it nominations or does it have to have won? Nominee. I'm going to put it in Oscars. Okay. okay. Because it was nominated for visual effects. Eligible. Yeah. So I really did love this movie. I mean, it was, it was an awesome, well, like, Marvel movie. I just, I, I have like some, I'm trying to figure out what category to put it in. Um, how often do you go back to the audience reaction video when Thor arrives in Wakanda? And he says, bring me Thanos. Like, do you watch I, that like once a week? Once is that the one weeks? that everybody has now sort of started memeing in like other vid- like mo- movies and stuff into it? Because somebody <laughs> made one for Tom Sizemore saying the action is the juice. <laughs> and he- <laughs> I think the one people have been using lately is um, the most recent Spider-Man movie. Okay. You know, where people are just hooting and hollering at the screen. 
Uh, Amanda, did you hoot or holler at any of Infinity War? Was there any part of it that spoke to you? Like I, like I said, the only thing I remember is that the witch liked the robot and they had a nice little domestic adventure and then they mm-hmm. had to take the yellow stone out of his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's CR needs pick. the yellow stone taken seemed, out of his head. Yeah. That seemed pretty sad. Um, even though, you know, please don't answer this question, but it seemed like if he's a robot, perhaps we could have figured out some alternative technologies in order to keep my guy running and in a nice domestic relationship. They with do. The Scarlet Witch. You know? What about is that? Wh- what WandaVision is, but yeah, she's goes, still. He, 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 they, but so he's around, but she's still grieving. They stay downloading Vision from the cloud. Okay. Yeah, he's in Dropbox. All right. Then I kind of feel like I was oversold on the drama of that moment. <laughs> Were you There's a- no right answer then. <laughs> it either frustrates you from a customer service perspective. <laughs> Were you emotionally affected by Spider-Man turning into ashes while saying to Iron Man, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good? Me? Oh, you mean you that's like the, the snap? Yeah. You know, the snap was pretty cheap because you knew that all of the people... I'm sorry, but half the people who disappeared had movies already announced for two years from now. So no shit, they're still going to be alive. Damn, I know how to man. read a release schedule. Detective Dobbins. Sometimes you're just kind you're of an so, asshole. You're so like, like you really are just like in like a, a dime store detective me. novel. Just like, Sorry. There's it nothing new under the sun. That was like very clear in the theater. All I right, Mickey Spillane. Let's just settle down. Okay? This is what you get when you touch I me Can things. I just say, I'm not, lo- I don't love my pick. I think okay. it's important sometimes like everybody, we always have like all this confidence in ourselves. Like it's all right to just be like, I, I felt boxed in here. This is good, though. I think this is a new persona for you. Chrissy Popcorn. I feel like this is a good way, a good angle for you long term. There's Populous plenty of movies porn. left. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, so Amanda, you got two picks. Okay. So in drama, I am actually going to go with Roma, which mm. was another just extremely like memorable screening experience for me, though I did not see it at the New York Film Festival. I just saw it like with two other people in a screening room at Netflix but was just rocked. Chris, do you remember me like kind of wandering into your office in a daze and being like, wow, the power of cinema. I was just completely moved by it. Um, com- it's obviously like so beautiful and parts of it are so harrowing. I was emotionally engaged. I I don't know. I just, that that's a very good movie that I think we kind of like make jokes about now because it lost to Green Book and because everybody's trying to make their Roma now, but And now Corona is making an Apple show. Yeah, right. So here we are. Now we live in hell. But I thought Roma was beautiful and special. So funny. I was literally going to say, now we live in hell, Amanda. That's, yeah. that's brutal that Quaron is making a TV show. Brutal. I mean, maybe it's got Kevin Klein and Kate Blanchett. It's not like it's going to be like fucking CSI, you know, Traverse City. It's going to be pretty good. Okay. <laughs> CSI Traverse City. <laughs> uh, Roma's very good. It's going to be weird when, when Belfast wins Best Picture and Roma only nabbed Best Director. But it did. Quaron did get Best Director. That's true. Okay, so that's in drama. And then I'm going to go with my heart here in comedy and take Game Night, mm. uh, which was the funniest movie of this year, I feel. And God damn it, Amanda. I, I mean, I know. I know that we all love it. And we're all sort of agreed, like, wow, we really should have like appreciated Game Night and that tiny little dog who also shows up in Widows. And Jesse Plemons, like being the king that he is. This is a sort of where I feel like the real Jesse Plemons momentum we all knew. Mm-hmm. But now we're like living in the in the fruits of that moment. Um, this and- was also the peak of me. I'm thinking maybe Jason Bateman was Orson Welles for me. <laughs> 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 but it's just also like, again, 
we didn't know that we would literally never have a studio comedy or frankly, just a comedy with jokes that would be funny again. I don't, there, there are a couple other this year that I don't want to be too rude to, but I think this is like the last great one. And I, I still enjoy those types of movies in this movie. Good stuff. Um, funniest moment in this movie is when someone is about to attack Rachel McAdams when she's standing next to an airplane and the guy gets sucked into a turbine <laughs> and she just goes, oh no, he died. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible scene. Rachel McAdams is so funny in this movie. Uh, it's a great pick. Uh, this is, comedies died. They died, but yeah. Game Night lives, lives on. Yeah. Um, okay, so you got two. So CR, you're up and you can't get Game Night now. Okay, I guess for my for my action horror, I'm going to go with a movie that I did not appreciate when it first came out, possibly because I was too big of a fan of the book, and I think also my expectations were too high, but I'm going to go with Annihilation for horror. Hmm. I thought you were about to say Red Sparrow. No. <laughs> <laughs> the spy who fucks. Uh, no, I'm going to go with Annihilation. The uh, One of the best third acts uh, I think that's been in like a theatrical movie in the last 10 years or so like it's just so mind-blowing that they let Alex Garland go full 2001 at the end of this movie and um, I think there are parts of it that I, I I think I was like when I first saw it I was just like that's not what this book is like that's not what the book is like and then once you kind of watch it again with a little bit of distance from both the original release and the and the novel itself uh, Jeffrey Vandermeer's novel you just kind of like, oh, take taking on taking on its own terms. This is just an extraordinary movie and and quite stunning to look at. I don't know if I had a place for this on my roster, but it is one of my favorite movies of that year. And this is what I'm saying. Why don't you have some conviction? What are you talking about? I just like, drafted it's one of my favorite movies of the year, but I didn't have a place for it. Like. I'm I'm really coming under attack here for no reason. <laughs> I literally have only picked two movies. I, I have no idea what I you're saying. I, know, I, I, I picked Infinity War and was like, I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> She's yelling at you. Uh, no, that's a, it's it's a great pick, Chris. Um, Alex Garland, he made a TV show after this movie, but he's back to movies. Are you excited for Men? His I am. I'm film? excited for anything Alex Garland does. I also, yeah. I mean, I think he's got a lot of stuff in the hopper, but. Because he was supposed to do some more stuff out of devs that was essentially using like the devs cast as like a rep theater, but doing different oh, yeah. stories. What happened to that? I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure. Honestly, like it does seem like you can just get a lot of stuff made right now. So I'm hoping Alex Garland can do whatever he wants. What are you getting made? What's in the hopper for you? 1884. <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what aren't we talking about that happens next year? You know? When in the history of our friendship have I ever put a ball in a tee like that and you not smashed it 440 <laughs> feet? Honestly, it's it's your superpower. It's unbelievable. Okay. Uh, I got two picks done vamping by complimenting Chris and fighting Amanda. Comedy. Tough one. I'm going with The Favorite, which okay. is one of, the, one of the best movies of the year. Definitely a comedy, right? You guys agree? Yeah, no, I completely I it, agree. I had it in, as a backup in comedy, yeah. Um, you know, there's only a handful of really good comedies in this year, and Amanda's already gotten one, so I figure I have to go comedy early here. Um, of course, this is the movie that um, Emma Stone won Best Actress for her performance in. Also, feel Olivia Colman. Features a revelatory Olivia Colman performance. Yeah. Um, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, written by Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara, who are, you know, Tony McNamara now writing on The Great, which is a really Do good TV show on Hulu. I do. Oh. I'm like halfway through the second season. I'm. I need to start it. I'm saving it for when I have less movies to watch. 
that in Mayor of Kingstown. Yeah. Which is saving. <laughs> I didn't listen to your spoiler podcast, just so you know. So I, I certainly I'm, should not. Okay. <laughs> I'm very excited for your child's first TV show to be Mayor of Kingstown. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, the favorite is great. And uh, here's a weird thing the favorite made $96 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. Which That's, w- a lot what? of that is from my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we haven't even really talked about what the movie is. Does it matter? Do we need to talk about what these movies are? I've I've often thought about this. Like, is the purpose of these conversations to celebrate films and help people discover things and give context around them or for just a fight with each other? Like, what do you, should we be going more in depth into the films themselves? I often have, I, I feel a little bit like, uh, a little bit behind the eight ball when I'm like, what am I supposed to say about Mission Impossible Fallout that I haven't mentioned before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that would be, and maybe it's like, oh, here's why I'm picking this over everything else. But there is a little bit of suspense embedded in drafts. So I don't like to say a lot of the names of movies in case somebody else picks them and wants to have the second of being like, oh, yeah, game night. So I don't know. I like, do people need us to like talk about why the favorite is good? The favorite's also like a very hard one to be like, now I'm going to give like a capsule summary of what happens in the favorite because it's all just like, you know, pretty screwed up comedy and people going at each other. And I think the fact that we all agree that this is a comedy when it's ultimately like a very sad story is is correct, but also messed up. So if you want to try to explain like the varying layers of what's going on with Olivia Coleman's Queen Anne and Rachel Weisz's, she's the Duchess of Marlborough. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Yeah. I pulled that off the top of my head. So you guys got to be impressed. Like, you know, who got just dis- disappeared in the snap. And I know all the titles of the people in the favorite. Um, did I misidentify? Did Emma Stone not win for this? Or did they? No, both she win? won they for both, La La Land. It, and Olivia Coleman beat Glenn Close for this. That's right. Gosh. And it, like shocker because we spent the whole year making the wife jokes. And then it was Olivia Coleman. I'm so confused. And, yeah. Is well, Olivia, Olivia Coleman the, the lead of this film? She was for the purposes of the Oscars. But in your opinion, do you think she was the lead? She's the supporting character, I feel well, like. Well, I mean, she has the like the like she has scenes with Rachel Weiss, she has scenes with Emma Stone, and it is almost like, you know, Rachel Weiss is in one half and then the Emma Stone's character is ascendant and gets replaced, and the person who's standing there in the middle is Olivia Coleman. I mean it's one of those category on the line things, but I'm the only person in the world who doesn't care about category fraud. So, okay, I care, and I'll be uh, I'll be bringing it to Congress, <laughs> okay. and I'm going to have a bill written to to ban next all time the Carlisle fraud. group meets. You'll be like, <laughs> you guys. It's it's actually the Bilderberg group that I'll this be taking this to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so I have another pick. Hmm. I'm going with drama. I'm going with one of my favorite movies of this year. First Man. Shouldn't, they should all be your one of your favorite movies right. this year. There's only six of them. Um, what's going on here, you guys? You guys are getting <laughs> trying to get under my skin. I'm feeling good. I'm 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 choosing from the heart here. I'm choosing only movies that I really First like. First Man that year. is at least you somewhat from the heart. You and me, the Predator shaking hands meme. Ryan Gosling going into space. That's that's what's <laughs> happening right now. This movie is incredible, and hey, I Fox. undersold it like a motherfucker this year. And I apologize to Damien Chazelle. I apologize to Neil Armstrong. I apologize (laughs) to NASA. (laughs) Let let me, let me tell you my story behind it. Um, Amanda can attest to this because she was present for a lot of these conversations. So I saw this movie at a screening uh, in IMAX in Burbank. And there were like three people in the theater. This was the ideal 
condition to see this movie. And this movie is majestic and beautiful and has extraordinary sound design, incredible score, looks unbelievable. It's clearly a movie that was inside of Damien Chazelle's head for 15 years. And the movie ended and I walked out and I was like, that was okay. I think I said that to you, man. I think no, I was like, I remember you were like, eh. Uh, like, I, you know, I know this story. You know, I get it. I see what he's he trying to do here. He walked on the moon. Yeah, it's all, it's all good. And then, one step um, for man. <laughs> and then, and I, you know, I, I love Whiplash, as you guys know, and I'm, I'm kind of mixed on La La Land, but I really liked what he was going for there. And um, then Bill hit me up and he was like, hey, I'm going to interview Damien Chazelle. Do you want to interview him with me? And I was like, I love Damien Chazelle's movies. And I was like, do I love them actually? And then I went back and rewatched all of them. And then I ended it with First Man. And the second time I watched it at home on my TV, I was like, this is one of the great films. This is truly an amazing movie. And it looked like shit compared to the way I saw it the first time. But for whatever reason, I was able to better click into what he was trying to show about, you know, this sort of like isolation and desolation that the, the Gosling character is going through and basically like what those men who went through that we're going through and it was it's done in a very different way than like say your, one of your favorite movies Amanda Apollo 13 which is like mm-hmm. actually about like camaraderie and heroism and this is something that was like a little bit more distant than that it's also and, done differently than the right stuff which has like a kind of comic undertone and some yes. satire to it and kind of yeah. over it, it definitely is like the guys like Chuck Yeager were the real heroes you know and these dudes were just strapped to tin cans yes but like these were the pilots I think that first man when you watch it, and maybe this is the Apollo 13 part of it, is like you're waiting for some sort of emotional catharsis and neither the movie nor Gosling ever gives it to you. Like Gosling is just like, this is a dude who was not capable of expressing himself emotionally. And Chazelle doesn't give us the fucking, you know, the mission control going, yeah, which is what you need. You know, you want that in every space movie. Instead, you get that like completely amazing and devastating, like, quarantine scene at the end with Gosling and Claire Foy. And this, like, this is an incredible, if really depressing portrait of a marriage. And typically the, you know, the wife character in these types of movies is like the Marilyn Lovell Apollo 13. I just like want my husband to come home. And I'm obviously a Claire Foy stan, but also what she's doing and the way it's written of this person who's like, why are, why can't you open up? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you being such a monster? or putting this ahead of all the rest of us. It's tough, but it's really good. It seems really, I don't know if this necessarily matters. It seems very true. You know, this sort of like the way that he is like retracted inside of himself to accomplish this and the way that he's unable to connect to other people. And the way that, you know, as, as you understand it, as you, if you read about Neil Armstrong, the way that like he never really connected with other people as he went on in his life, even though he's widely considered an American hero, he was not Buzz Aldrin. He was not trying to run for the governor of his state. Well, he was not trying to be a Buzz, celebrity. Buzz Aldrin's a different story. Maybe Chris yeah. Ryan should develop the Buzz Aldrin biopic <laughs> and star in it. I would really enjoy that. Could be a good one. Um, you think I have Buzz energy? I think I like to. I like it for you. Yeah, I always Buzz, like Buzz Lightyear. I would. I say. thought I always had like a little bit more Deke Slayton going. You know? Okay. Oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> we both um, like outerwear. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring is such a refreshing time of year. Flowers are blooming and you're getting your house in order. But now is also a good time to take a second look at your wireless plan because you might be overpaying. Right now, Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash big pick. That's mintmobile.com slash big pick. $45 
$45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Okay, Sean, top three movie snacks of all time, go. Um, all right, let me think. Uh, popcorn? Obviously. Hmm. Ice cream? That's two. Oh, and uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, of course. Peanut butter and chocolate is a pretty perfect combination. Some may even say the ultimate movie snack. You can't argue with that. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Let me tell you a little secret. If you want to end the day on an even better note, get yourself a sweet frozen treat from Sonic. Especially since right now at Sonic, you can get half-price shakes after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. That's creamy soft serve hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size and flavor. So save on your chocolate shake today, your strawberry shake tomorrow, and your cheesecake shake the next day. Grab Sonic half-price shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected. An inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue. A surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland. Watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being. Present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. Okay, so those are my two picks, which means we're going back to Chris. Okay, so I have to get drama wild card and comedy done here. Um, for drama, I'm going to go with a movie that we mentioned earlier, which is uh, Widows. Um, this was another movie that when I saw it, I was like, huh, okay. But in retrospect, after seeing it a couple of times since, and I think watching it during the award season, re-watching it during the award season rerun of that point, I was like, boy, oh boy, was this a good fucking movie. <laughs> and it's basically like, we don't deserve Steve McQueen making a crime movie set in Chicago, but we got it. And uh, what a cast. Um, very good Colin Farrell uh, villain in this movie. And I just thought it was excellent. That opening sequence um, is so good in this film. Um, and, and I would just, I would love to go back to the days where Steve McQueen was like, you know what I'm going to give you? Like a really taut thriller with Viola Davis, like raining threes on people. I wonder if the, this movie has a lot in common with First Man, I think, in that they were both considered slight disappointments from hugely celebrated Oscar-anointed filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And they were both considered bids for a kind of, you know, like mainstream old-school commercialism. You know, a true-life dramatic biography of a great man and a a real kind of intense crime thriller that serves as an allegory for the problems of American cities and both of them, the reception, you're right, Amanda, before, but when you were talking about this, was like kind of muted. I think even though you and I were like, holy fucking shit, these movies. Yeah, we saw that like we were in the same theater, but not sitting together. Oh, yeah. And I that's just, right. Yeah. And like texting each other, just being like, holy shit, like that's a movie at the end of it. That's right. And this is yeah. Gillian Flynn wrote the script for this, right? She did. I believe so. Yeah. What a world. <laughs> so no one's picked a bad movie yet. Mm-hmm. Amanda, are you going to break the streak? I mean, you don't. I guess I guess I deserve that. But no, Sean, I'm not. <laughs> so in 
action horror. This is sort of a surprise for me. I, I was going to take Widows, but it's now off the board, but still on the board is A Quiet Place. So mm, I'm going to take A Quiet movie. Place. Yeah. You know what? That's a very good movie. Yeah. Um, I didn't revisit it because I am supposed to uh, go into labor at some point in the next <laughs> four to six weeks. And, uh, you know, going to. So when does the hereditary screening gonna happening? Going to leave that <laughs> reference for another time. But I remember it being very effective when I did see it. And like, like lean and engaging and terrifying, but in a way that I, Amanda Dobbins, can handle. And also, like, obviously, like a huge success and starts a whole career I, for John Krasinski as a director. And I think Emily Blunt is one of our most underrated and underappreciated actors working. So, A Quiet Place, that's action horror. I chose a horror movie. Look at me. Um, I will say this it was it was not 20 minutes of this movie at, Sun, uh, at South by it was the whole movie oh it was mm-hmm. and it played like a like a house on fire it yeah. was like it, people were like wow that was great like nothing was so will distort your concept of how good a movie is going to do like seeing it at South by because people will like I mean we saw a long shot at South by and you you'd think Prince was doing a three hour concert on stage. Like it was just like people were like rolling around in the aisles. And then that movie made like 30 million bucks. Yeah. I still liked it. Me too. Um, okay. So I'm going to do something interesting here. I'm going to go with Wild Card. And I didn't expect to do this, but it's a, a film that I know all of us have real affection for. So I'm going to go early and do Wildlife. Which yes. is uh, Paul Dano? Yes, Amanda. I know Sean looks really mad at me. Um, I, I, again, another actor who I think is just like criminally underused and undercelebrated is Carrie Mulligan, and this is like the Carrie Mulligan performance of a lifetime. And I, I, it stays with me. I think about it. Another one where I'm on the precipice of some things and <laughs> thinking about it some more, but. This was just like a completely um, beautiful and lodges in your head uh, film that we all liked at the time, but I guess it just kind of went under the radar. I don't know. It just wasn't noisy, but is fantastic. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. So Wildlife and Wildcard. The first interview I did when this show was spun off onto its own feed was a conversation with Paul Dano. It's, of course, one of my favorite actors soon to be the Riddler. Sure. Uh, which mm-hmm. is a little different from wildlife, I would say. Um, and of course is based on Richard Ford book. One of my favorite authors and um, not necessarily one of my favorite Richard Ford books. Uh, it's actually quite different than I think like the f- books he's best known for. Um, yeah, Baskin books. Yeah. 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 Um, but this is an amazing movie yeah. and it's pro- it's still a little undiscovered. It is in the criterion collection now. Um, which I thought was cool that it was added so early. This is uh, an awesome pick, Amanda. This yeah. is, I think this was in definitely in my top 10 at the end of the year when I did the Yeah, I, I, we all were just like, I we saw it kind of independently and but then found each other and we're like, wow, wildlife. Yeah, it's really brilliant. Um, this is the movie that like Carrie Mulligan should have gotten the recognition that she ended up getting for Promising Young Woman, like should have yes, been for that. That exactly. scene with her in the diner with her son is crazy, exactly. crazy yeah. good. Oh my God, yeah. Um, She's drinking okay. the beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, okay, Chris, you're up, right? Yeah. Uh, for comedy, I'm going to go Death of Stalin. Oh, so, uh, yeah. good, good pick. This was uh, this was in my top ten that year. I, I think it was very high. I have watched this movie like three or four times since 2018. It's um, you know, like this was really like 
a moment where you can just see Ianucci's kind of like umbrella really is it is it fully open because you've got Veep on, you've got the favorite, you've got I think Succession was first season was eighteen is that right? I think so because we had two years off between season and three. So Jesse Armstrong is uh, from the Ianucci school, but Ianucci's you know movies I think um, have been. I think beloved by hardcore fans, but maybe haven't broken through. So this um, in the loop, which was the movie extension of the thick of it, and um, and then Copperfield that came out last year, right? Was that that was him? Uh, but man, Death of Stalin. If you can, once you get past the sort of conceit that it is all of the best British actors in the world pretending to be the Russians in the moment of the revolution, <laughs> it is the fucking funniest and honestly one of the darkest movies it's- I have ever seen. It like even for Yanuti, it's like really safety off. Like uh, which the last like twenty minutes, you're just like, oh, yeah. like <laughs> humanity is hell. <laughs> so Amanda, when we had a conversation about Don't Look Up, you yeah. asked me off top, what's the last great satire? And I think all I could come up with was Idiocracy, but it's actually Death of Stalin. This is yeah. one of the few movies, and it, it does exactly what satire needs to do, which is it tells a compelling story. In this case, a historical story, but. I mean, it is just so clearly about what has been happening with autocracy in the last 10 years around the world. And, you know, Iannucci is as good at kind of rendering a story like that as anybody. And for people who don't know what this movie is about, it's essentially like as the revolution, it's not even as as Stalin dies, um, it's all of like the sort of hangers on in like the sort of various Politburo cabinet level positions, jockeying for power and avoiding blame. Uh, and it's just this amazing portrait. And, you know, it's worth mentioning that we were, that movie came out when there were these like 45 anonymous sources tell alls about things that were happening in the Trump White House that were not too far off. I mean, not as much murder, but like, but just in terms of like backbiting and fucking one another over, it's, it's not that it's pretty, it's, it felt like it was like drawn very much from the moment that we were living in. Amazing pick. Amazing pick. Okay. So I'm up. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, this year was fucking awesome. <laughs> it was good. All these movies are good. Uh, okay, so my remaining categories right now are wild card and action horror. I'll tell you the truth. You know, I put together a little document before we pick, mm-hmm. and I have like my, all of my possibilities for each category. I'm sure you guys do some version of the same thing. I've only got one movie left in both of these categories. Oh. Action horror. Another film I saw at South by Southwest that I believe debuted at Sundance that year. Ari Aster's Hereditary. Mm-hmm. One of the best horror movies of the last 10 years. I think it's now, in, a, in the critical community, a little bit like people are a little suspicious because Ari came in in the elevated horror wave. And so now it's sort of like, I, I'm not sure if I need my horror to be quite so prestigious yeah it's like can you make a like a a good ouija movie you know yes yeah and that's you know horror fans are very difficult to satisfy and and they're all over the place to me i i saw this movie like not as a great horror movie but as like an incredible movie about family trauma and like people who just don't know how to talk to each other Mm -hmm. and uh, obviously that's the purpose of the movie there are horror elements and there's a big horror finale in this movie that is exciting but in general Another kind of performance that like will never ever be recognized by the Academy, but Tony Collette in this movie is out of her fucking mind. So so good embodying this woman who's slowly losing control. Um, and there's some like genuine scares. This particularly like 
the crawling on the ceiling um, near the end of the film is a genuine, the car eerie, accident. upsetting. Yeah. And then the car accident. Yeah, the the the, the head issue. I'll just, is that a good way Did to describe it? Did you see it? this movie, Amanda? No. All I've seen is that so Zach has a hereditary t-shirt from A24, which he's also never seen the movie, but he just like <laughs> wears it to, to kind of mess with Sean. And so I've seen that several times. A lot of texts. It's very it's designed. A, it's, yeah. it's an image of uh, Gabriel Byrne on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which and then, and then my dad saw it and was like, "This is the worst movie I've ever seen." Uh, so <laughs> bad take. That's that's it's a real just, bad that's take. Kind of the spectrum that I'm working with right now. Uh, you should not see the film. That's my advice. I'm not going to. Um, it's very good. I saw it at, at a midnight screening um, in a, an empty Cineplex in Texas on the far east side oh, of shit. Austin. Did you then, get in a car accident on your lift? On I the did. Way back? It's a true story. <laughs> I probably told that story on this pod, but yeah, I took a, I took a, I took an Uber home at three o'clock in the morning after this yeah. movie was over. I remember we got, we got in a car accident. I was at the bar, and then I went home, and then you got home at like four in the morning, and I was like, "Damn, Sean really loved Hereditary." <laughs> I was like, "Whatever." No. I was being questioned by the police on a street corner, Great. in the middle of nowhere, and I had to walk home. It was a tough scene. Um, this has been an interesting episode about my about my trauma. Uh, speaking of trauma. My wild card is, of course, First Reformed, one of sure. my favorite movies yeah. ever. Paul yeah. Schrader's masterpiece starring Ethan Hawke about a, a reverend who's lost his way, who is having a crisis of faith in the face of ecological disaster, personal tumult, perhaps alcoholism, perhaps a, a sickening inside of him. Amazing movie. A movie that's like so dark and twisted that it's went all the way around to the other side to hilarious and memeable. And I'm just, uh, you know... I just love this movie very much. So I would feel really weird if I did not get a chance to take it in the draft. So first reformed. So is that back to me? Back to you, brother. You got one more pick, right? Let's go with the 400 blows of garbage crime, Den of Thieves. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Finally. It's real tight between Den of Thieves and Day of the Soldado. Um, Oh, yeah. But uh, I'm going to go with Den of Thieves because it's given me so, so much big Nick. Um, everybody, please pre-order my uh, my appreciation of Christian Gudegest's work uh, coming in 2024. What's that is, book called? Uh, Towards Enlightenment. <laughs> the Unbearable Cinema of Gudegest. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that works SEO wise. Um, no, uh, this movie's fucking awesome. You know, I think we've done a rewatchables about it. It's like one of those. You know what I really miss? And and I actually, I ache to see you guys socially to do this, but I miss dumpuary movies, man. Yeah. I miss when we would just go see absolute fucking turkeys about bank robberies and alligators and <laughs> fucking like, yeah, man. you know. Shout out to Crawl. Hell like, yeah. Just like what, what happened to us, you know? We used to, you just get like a pizza afterwards and be like, that was good. That was an incredible spending of $10 that I just did, you know? <laughs> Chris, this is you turning to all of Hollywood and saying, you used to be beautiful, man. <laughs> you used to give me 13 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that recently because, Amanda, these are, these are tough times in the, yeah. in, the, in the big picture sense of things, sure, you know? It's yeah. a, how many conversations can you have about whether Spider-Man should be nominated for Best Picture? And um, I was like, we can't even really do a Dumpuary episode. I know, There's yeah. not even really a way to look at the landscape and say like, well, these are the ones that suck that they're trying to get out of the right. way before the good stuff comes because the whole landscape has changed so much. I don't yeah. know. 
and 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 nobody will be able to see them or or watch them. Yeah, it's a damn shame. Um, yeah. Well, I think we're we're down to one pick, right? Yeah, I have Blockbuster left, so I'm I'm gonna take Crazy Rich Asians, which hmm. is a is a movie that I really enjoyed. Please make more movies like this. I will say, wish it had a large budget. Wish we could have spent uh, more time on location. We could have spent more money on the house. Mm-hmm. Wish we could have spent more money on the clothes. This is a book that is, I think, very smart and funny, but also knowingly frivolous. And I am looking for some knowing frivolity in my movies. But I I had a lovely time. I really enjoyed these, uh, these books by Kevin Kwan. And it did well, which is great. And I think, you know, it was seen as like a, real success and harbinger in the box office, which is always a good thing. But also I had a nice time. So crazy rich agents, please spend more on the sequel. Thank you. This film made $175 million at the U S box office. That's great. Where, where is the sequel? I think it probably production got slowed down by COVID. Uh, okay. I mean, it's like, it's definitely, they're making another one, but do you, do you guys want to talk about some, some other films before we do a wrap yeah. up that we neglected to mention there are here? So many, there are quite a few. I think people will be very angry. You know, in particular, that Chris failed to draft Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> Which what is that the one where they're in the little glass bubbles falling down the mountain? Uh, I believe that's the first one. I believe that's Jurassic World. I believe Fallen Kingdom is the one where they create a new dinosaur oh. and they sell it. You know, they're like auctioned off and they break free somehow on the mainland. Kind of a callback to Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World. Oh, I thought this was the one where it's like a volcano is going off and they have to like they're outrunning the volcano. Oh, maybe you're right. Is that it? Because this even. is the last one because there's been another one since then, right? That came out. Has Dominion. There? Oh, Dominion is after Fallen Kingdom. And is there another one coming? This year, there's, there's another, another Jurassic coming, yeah. World. Wow. Is, did Dominion come in 2019? Blue? Kids still alive. be like, you guys got to fucking stop making these. Uh, here's a here's a little summary update uh, regarding Blue. Owen is driven to find Blue, his lead raptor who's still missing in the wild. Okay. And Claire has grown a respect for these creatures. She now makes her mission. <laughs> so it sounds like Blue is still in the mix here, okay. surrounded by lava. I forgot. You're right, Chris. That is the one. This, is, this isn't the auction dino movie. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't pick it. Uh, that's too bad. Uh, what, what, what else? What, what did we miss? What do you guys want to talk about? If, if I had like a couple more picks... You would have heard me talk about uh, a little movie starring John Hamm called Beirut. I can't believe that it took this long to get to Beirut. I checked uh, the Beirut Slack channel yesterday. A movie I care so much about that I started a Slack channel about. <laughs> and one of the saddest things that's ever happened to me in my life is I started the Slack channel in 2018 and invited. It was a, it was invite only. It was like this, the San Vicente bungalows of Slack channels. <laughs> and I invited my friends in and I would do little screenshots of Beirut and then one by one <laughs> fucking my close my closest friends have left this channel in <laughs> fact true. I'm looking at it right now and it's like Sean Fennessy has left this room Sean's probably in like 800 fucking slack channels <laughs> do you know what I mean like it's, uh, that, that is true and, and you know who's mine. still in the slack channel you I'm still in because you're Beirut. my ride or die I still have <laughs> access to this Slack channel, which I joined before I had seen the major motion picture film Beirut. But then yeah. I did see it. Take a step back. Chris, what was the thinking behind launching the channel? Like, what was the purpose? Nobody the was talking about Beirut. And it was important. It was an important movie <laughs> that Tony Gilroy wrote 
John Hamm just like straight up 18 cores lights sweating out through his armpits, <laughs> just jamming on like this fucking B grade Michael Clayton vibe. It's so good. <laughs> Roz Pike in there. Yeah. Is Brule in this one? I feel like Brule is in this. Daniel oh, Brule? Is Brule in Beirut? I don't think so. I, th- I feel like he is. Beirut's like not even like in the top 35, like first. <laughs> things that come up in Google when you're like, what's when to Beirut? <laughs> if you search Beirut IMDB, it's still like the seventh thing that comes up. It's N- John Hamm, Shea Wiggum, okay. uh, and uh, Larry Pine, who plays Sandy on Succession, is in this. Oh, cool. Yeah, directed so by uh, Brad Anderson, and it was written by Tony Gilroy, which you can definitely tell. It made seven and a half million dollars at the box office. So you're saying no brule? No brule. <laughs> Sheesh. Okay. Amanda, what are some movies that you want to call out? I've got like a little list here that I had for wild for wild card that I didn't use, which is not a complete list, but I'll start here. Set it up. Remember set it up? Oh yeah. The charming yeah. rom-com that was basically about the ringer featuring Glenn Powell. Oh my stuff. God, yeah. That was yeah, that was when Netflix like, you know, made good rom-coms for adults and not babies. Uh that's rude to the teenagers. I hope you guys love the kissing booth, which I think was also this year, but I still have never seen. Um Beale Street. Just, I, 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 like, which, talk. like was under like it was nominated at the Oscars but I think sort of like under discussed in 2018 and underrepresented in this movie draft uh what Barry else Jenkins had some incredible tweets during the uh during the Alabama Georgia game oh that's yeah that's he was true like, Bill O'Brien just cost Nick a chip <laughs> Barry, Barry is good at two things making incredible movies and tweeting about college football those are his two greatest skills yeah. Um, also tweeting about uh, airplanes and air routes. Oh, yeah. He um, loves airplanes, right? That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, what else? Anything else you want to shout? I mean, Black Klansman, Chris, you mentioned that earlier. Spike's mm-hmm. movie. Not really one of my favorite Spike movies, but I thought an interesting attempt to kind of like evolve the kinds of movies that he makes. Um, kind of like blending the Jordan Peele um, style and tone, I think, because he was like a producer and a co-writer on that movie. Um, Minding the Gap is my yeah. favorite movie from this year. Um, Minding if, the Gap and Venom not being in your draft is why I think you're a coward. There's a other. There's another movie why that I cannot believe did not get picked by you or me, Sean, or you, Amanda. And that's Venom? mid mid nineties. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, yeah. That that actually is a movie that I could see having a critical reappraisal. Yeah. Another movie that maybe did not get it got the love from a very specific demo. Actually, Bill Simmons was telling us that his son Ben. Loves mid nineties. I bet, and that's not surprising. Mining the Gap was like my favorite movie of the year. Like I, I guess I am an, an absolute coward for not picking it. I just, yeah. I suppose I didn't know where to put it. Yeah, I mean, I, where does it? I guess it goes in wild card. I, I don't know. I think so. I, I guess it could have been Oscar nominee, but I just went Oscar nominee with my first pick. It's so. funny though. In the moment you pick the thing that you're like, you're most sort of like entranced by and appreciate its artistic merits, and then four years later. You're like, what's the thing I've watched six times since then? You yeah. know what I mean? Like and the answer is Infinity War for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the sad part is, yeah. Because every time they, they make one of these shows, I'm like, what happened in Infinity War? <laughs> um, there's a lot more that we haven't we haven't talked through here. Uh, let me see if I can think of a couple. The first I kind of like oh, the first purge. I was gonna mention uh, Sean Overlord uh, is a pretty oh, good yeah. gory uh, uh, World War II horror movie with Wyatt Russell. I like that movie a lot. I interviewed that director, Julius Avery, when that movie came out. Another movie that like maybe didn't totally get the the love I thought it deserved. You know, there's a little bit of um I noticed that uh 
the guys who host the Blank Check podcast were having some recontextualization around Ready Player One. The Is Ready Player One good conversation. I just want to say I saw that movie also at this same South by Southwest. And at the time, my take was Ready Player One is good. And um, I'd like to watch it again. So maybe I'll do that tonight. What do you guys think? Amanda, you should watch Ready Player One tonight and report back. Please don't report back to me. But Amanda, what did you think? Do you you ever think about Unsane? No, because it was like, I, I love that they did it, you know? Like an experience that I would have loved to be nearby, but not actually then have to watch the product. You know what I'm saying? It's like all my people together. I think we could have had a nice time on set, but Mm -hmm. it is a tough hang as a movie. Uh, I I also recall, I don't want to say not fondly, but a a perplexing podcast about Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald with Mallory Rubin (laughs) and Jason Concepcion. Perplexing. Uh, That's a hot Dumbledore, right? Uh, it is. And that one, that's just an absolutely horrendous movie. Yeah, so, it was really bad. So, so bad. Uh, but I basically just asked those guys to explain the movie to me for like an hour and a half. And, and was, Mal was in her bag. It was weird. It was, yeah. I was like, you are. No, you I are mean, that's a side. movie that's based on a fictional textbook about magical creatures in the Harry Potter universe. So. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for Mallory, genuinely. <laughs> but also, yeah, it's it's a hard no for me. Um, I got a couple more. Yeah, go ahead. So remember Free Solo? Yeah. Oh, great, great movie. movie. Sure, but also I just want to let people know if you haven't been like checking up on Alex Hanold and also Alex Hanold, sorry, but really Sani, the girlfriend who's in her under contested girlfriend in the movie, just want to let you guys know they're also having a baby due date close to mine so that that worked out for them long term even if maybe you think that it wasn't the most supportive relationship based on the documentary maybe you guys should get in like a baby pod together yeah raise your children together baby rock climbing guys sorry to bother you oh that's another great one when it when is when is boots gonna make another movie What's going That's on with I'd that? Like Somebody should give Boots some money. You you love that movie because it's a socialist manifesto, right, Bobby? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, I distinctly remember, uh, Sean, you and Chris really having a moment about Thunder Road, which came out in 2018. Hell yeah. Yeah, my guy Jim. Um, I watched that movie in a on a couch in a dank room in Atwater Village where Jim's production company was based out of. Not an ideal setting for watching the film, but really, really enjoyed it. Good flick. Um, Cold War was this year? Shoplifters this year. Incredible movie year. What about uh, Solo, a Star Wars story? Oh, yeah. My guy Alden. Have we forgiven him? Um, No, we haven't. And is I, that I, movie actually like not that bad in retrospect? I didn't have a terrible time, but he wasn't very good. He, he didn't really have enough sex. It's an impossible job. Solo, There's yeah. nobody who could have done that job. That's true. One of the very first things we did here at The Ringer the three of us in particular mm-hmm. were instrumental in the cast Miles Teller as young Han yeah. Solo campaign. I tried. I tried. And they didn't listen to us. You Why guys don't want my help. I'm not going to give you my help. It's fine. Is that you speaking to Kathleen Kennedy? Yes. Straight straight to, to Iger? Uh, Iger's, Iger's, you know, on, on a yacht now having, having a great time. There's one other, um, one other comedy that we failed to mention, which is Blockers, which I also oh, thought yeah. was really funny. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. There's also a lot of junky stuff. Rampage, Equalizer mm. Two, Fifty Shades Freed, which is literally the name of a movie. Fifty Shades Freed. Yeah, that's Fuck the last that one, right? Yeah. What is that about? Isn't uh, that James? Didn't James Foley wind up directing that? 
<laughs> I think he directed two of them. Yeah, that's tough, man. That guy made yeah. at close range. He made Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. I know. Come on. Uh, a, a movie that a lot of people love from that year is A Simple Favor. Do you guys like that movie? Oh, yeah. I had that sort of on like a long list. That's pretty good. I, I like that they did it. Yeah. It was fun. What about the Overboard remake? No. What about a, a really was Ballad no. of Buster Scruggs this year? It certainly was. And that was the last Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. It's also pure heat. Check it out again if you haven't seen it in a while. Did, did anyone fire. mention Burning yet? No. Oh, yeah. Another burning. movie that was on. I think that was the number one movie on me and Adam's list that Damn, year. Damn, Bobby's in his fucking letterbox yeah, yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> I, we're just listing them off. The like Mule? Fire. One the of my more memorable. Mule. Oh, the yes. Mule was Sean sick. and I saw The Mule together. And I remember we just like turned to each other 20 minutes in being like, oh, Clint's doing this, huh? Yeah. He was like, I'm a horny old Uber driver. Let's go. That's incredible. <laughs> that was such a funny movie. I love it. Um, okay. We've talked about a lot of different kinds of films. Should we just recap what we picked? Yeah. Okay. Do so it Bob, the new way. Yeah, yeah do Bobby it has right asked way. us to do this in a way that is more coherent for the listener. So off we go. We're going to start with Chris Ryan's picks. Chris Ryan selected in the drama category Widows, in the comedy category Death of Stalin, in the Oscar nominee category, he selected Avengers colon Infinity War, <laughs> one of his favorite movies ever. In action or horror, he selected Annihilation. In blockbuster, he chose Mission Impossible Fallout. And in wildcard, he chose, of course, the greatest work of Gudegist, Den of Thieves. <laughs> Let's 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 do my picks now. For drama, I chose First Man from Damien Chazelle. For comedy, I chose The Favorite. For Oscar nominee, I chose A Star Is Born. For action or horror, I chose Hereditary. For blockbuster, I chose Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. And for wild card, I picked my beloved Paul Schrader's First Reformed. And of course, Amanda. For drama, she chose Roma, the Oscar winner from Alfonso Cuarón. For comedy, she chose Game Night. For Oscar nominee, Black Panther. For action or horror, A Quiet Place. Inspired pick, Amanda. Mm-hmm. For Blockbuster, she chose Crazy Rich Asians. And for Wild Card, she chose, fittingly, Wildlife. How you guys feeling? Pretty good. This is a fucking good yeah, year. Yeah, there is, I think, not a bad movie on this list with the exception of Infinity War. Um, uh, how dare you? That's, you know. <laughs> Thanos will not forget that Sorry, you said the that. Sorry, the have you seen Dead of me. Thieves? I honestly don't know if I have because I feel like I've heard you talk about it for three running on four years now to yeah. the point that like I have in my like I have memories of it, but I don't know if they actually involve me sitting down. So you don't remember it. Gerard Butler confronting Pablo Schreiber at a Benihana? <laughs> I mean, I do because you've talked about Amanda. This. The movie is literally 48 minutes of Pablo Schreiber and Gerard Butler shooting guns at each other from 100 <laughs> yards away on a bridge. Like the last like two hours of the movie. I know it's just this these is two why guys like, if I've seen it that I turned it off. But uh, it's Den of Thieves lives with me every day because I know Chris. Chris, when are you joining a Den of Thieves? <laughs> that's what I, that's what I, nobody will shake my hand, so I had to do it. <laughs> I, had to, I had to join Robin Hood's Merry Men. Any closing thoughts? Who do you guys think won? I honestly think Amanda might have. Mm, I I mean, I, I think everybody has like a block of of movies that corresponds to a certain block of online voter. So that's right. I'll be speaking directly to my first reformed heads. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Story. Um, thanks to Bobby Wagner for his work on this episode. Thank you to both you guys. And thank you for allowing me to beat you on one more movie draft. Okay. See you soon.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.